Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast, presented by the National Federation of the Blind, the transformative membership and advocacy organization of blind Americans. Live the life you want. Hello, and welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. I'm Melissa Riccobono, and I'm here with my co-host... Anil Lewis, and I'm here with my co-host, Melissa Riccobono. How are you, Anil? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Doing wonderfully. I know you had a leadership seminar uh, this past weekend. Well, the weekend that we're recording this, I realize (laughs) it's always kind of funny in podcast land because you record and then you don't exactly Exactly. post Mm -hmm. it usually right away. But anyway. um, People will be listening to this two years from now. But yes, (laughs) we did have a wonderful, wonderful leadership seminar. Congratulations to the Straight Flush Seminarians. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I had a chance to be in with them too. And and that that was great. And I know that part of the leadership seminar Seminar, the talk is about our legal efforts in the National Federation of the Blind. Absolutely. And we have something to talk about today with our legal case, a case that the National Federation of the Blind supported. And it's kind of a complicated case, although it's not <laughs> For as... For non-lawyer types. Well, right. It, yeah. it, it's, it's easy once you break it down. I don't know, though, Anil. Says Melissa. Do, do you feel as if you can break it down? Because I don't know that I can. It doesn't make sense that you have to go to court to get the right to go, go to, to court. court. That, yeah, I agree. And that's so what this case is about. For those of you who don't know, uh, Joe Orozco is a federal government employee, and he has had some problems with his workplace technology for years, for years. Yeah. And it seems like the federal government, being such a huge employer of people with disabilities, would get this right. But no. So from what I understand, they have the ability to issue a complaint, but the complaint doesn't have any legal teeth. I I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, it's like you don't have the right to take it to court when your employer doesn't provide you accommodations on the job because your employer is the federal, federal government. government. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know either, but I think that's how, we under, how I understand it. But, okay. you know, we actually do have a couple better people to explain this. Thank God. Yeah. So we have Chris Danielson, our roving reporter. And he's a recovering he lawyer. He is a recovering So he lawyer. probably gets this, yeah. He is. And then we have Ronza Othman, who is the president of the Federal Employees Division. Very dynamic young the, lady, yes. Uh, NFB, uh, among other an attorney. things. Yeah. She's also an attorney. She's also the president of the NFB of Maryland. She, yeah. she does. She wears a lot of hats. But this interview... I think cleared it up a lot for me, and so I hope that It'll you clear all cleared up for me exactly. And so we'll play this <laughs> and interview for our listeners. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, we'll play this interview, but we actually have some breaking news about this case. So let's play the interview so you can get an understanding of what this case was about, and then we can come back and we can talk to you about how it actually turned out. Ooh, cliffhanger! Yes, let's listen. Hi, everybody. This is your roving reporter again. I'm serving in that capacity again, uh, Chris Danielson. And I'm outside the federal courthouse where Orozco v. Garland has just been argued. And I have a a leader in the Federation with me. She holds many hats, but one of them is as part of our, our federal employees division. Is that correct? Yes, we are the National Association of Blind Government Employees, so federal and state and local. Okay, and and what is your role in that division? I am the president. All right, excellent. So this is Ronza Othman, and Ronza, kind of describe to folks because um, we've been talking about this case in the in the presidential release and the notebook and other things. Kind of describe to folks what was at stake in this case without all the without all the legalese, if you can. Sure. For 
federal employees, and to a certain extent for members of the public, everything was at stake when it comes to being able to ensure access to information technology and communications um, when the federal government is providing that information or that technology or those communications. So essentially, in a nutshell, Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act is the governing legislation that says that individuals with disabilities uh, are entitled to access what the government puts out, procures, and creates from a technology and a communications perspective. Um, that access should be comparable to those people without disabilities. So what this particular case is about is what happens, right, after you file the particular complaint if you are a federal employee and your employer does not make something equally accessible or violates 508. And, you know, as the court just asked some questions also, what happens when members of the public raise those same issues? And, and it sounded to me, as we stand outside the courthouse and we just heard the oral argument, it sounded to me like the government was saying, which is the, the opponent in this case, the agency that Mr. Dorosco works for, essentially, was essentially saying that Nobody has the right to enforce Section 508. It's just this law that's kind of out there that doesn't do anything. I mean, that's that's what I got as a, well, I used to be an attorney, but I'm kind of a layman, at, at least on the facts of this case. But it kind of seemed to me like what the other side was arguing would make it a pretty toothless statute. Yeah, um, exactly what you said, I think, for a little bit of a different reason. It's a little nuanced. But essentially what the government is saying is that if you are a federal employee, you can file a 508 complaint with your agency, but you don't have a right to go to court. So what's happening in the world, what we're seeing with our members and with um, people with disabilities across the federal government is that they're filing these 508 complaints and then they go into the circular file and nobody ever does anything with them. And so they're not able to actually get any um, movement on those cases. And so what we believe Congress intended was for 508 to allow for, all right, you go through this administrative process and if it doesn't work, or you, you also have the ability to go to federal court. The government is arguing, no, as federal employees, you don't have the right to go to federal court. You just have to be waiting for this governmental entity that has failed to ensure equal access in the first place to decide that it's going to do right by you and all the other individuals and provide equal access at some point when it's the same body that failed to take any action on your 508 complaint. I mean, it's a ludicrous argument. Right. And if and if Congress had thought that federal agencies were doing a, a good job of accommodating their federal employees with disabilities, then they probably wouldn't have passed a statute that mentioned federal employees having remedies against the agency, right? Exactly. And Section 501 of the Rehabilitation Act, which is sort of the bread and butter original anti-discrimination reasonable accommodation statute, that was passed in, in 1973. That covers federal employees. And it incorporates the ADA, ultimately, the employment provisions when the ADA was enacted in 1990. So decades after 1973, back in um, 1998, Congress amended 508 and didn't make any alterations except actually in strengthening enforcement for federal employees. And then, of course, the ADA Amendments Act as well was, was strengthened at that time, at that same time, or 2008, 10, 10 years later. Congress could have done something different if they didn't want federal employees to be able to 
have these rights in 508. Instead, they have strengthened them, not weakened them. And the government seems to forget that point. Right. So we just came out of the oral argument. We're standing in front of the uh, the Federal Court of Appeals in D.C. How, how do you think it went today? Oh, I think it went really well. Um, Carla Gilbright, who was the attorney representing uh, Mr. Orozco, who's the appellant, she did an amazing job. She was a superstar. Um, I think that um, the government's arguments were, did not stand up to scrutiny. I think that the panel of uh, judges were pretty pretty clear in terms of the questions and things that they did and did not buy into from the government's arguments. And so this is just a common sense situation. I think that came clear in, in Ms. Gilbride's arguments, and I'm really optimistic about the outcome. I don't know if you mentioned Ms. Ms. Gilbride is a blind attorney, and of course she's up for consent Senate confirmation to be counsel to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And she's argued before the Supreme Court. It was really amazing to watch her. Of course, uh, from from our mouths to the universe's ears, yes. you never know what how these things are going to turn out. But the uh, the oral argument did seem to go really well from our perspective. And as a federal employee myself, I've never felt as optimistic. I've never felt as optimistic right now as I do right now after hearing this oral argument, her arguments, and also the judge's questions. I mean, we, we struggle. We really, really struggle every day. There are dozens and dozens of barriers that each of us encounter in our jobs. And to, you know, it's just so important that the fox is not guarding the hen house guarding itself. And that's essentially what this case gets at. Right. You know, one of the judges made that point. He said, if the, if the agency is the final word, then they could literally say, we don't want to do this because we don't like blind people. And the blind person would be able to do nothing about it. And that can't be, that can't be the, the result here, right? And that certainly was, was not or did not appear to be Congress's intent. All right. Fantastic. Ronza Othman, thank you so much for joining us on the Nation's Blind podcast to talk about this. Thank you. Do you want to leave a legacy for the next generation? Join the National Federation of the Blind Legacy Society, the Dream Makers Circle. Joining is easy. You can give a portion of a bank or investment account by simply filling out a payable on death form at your bank and indicating the NFB should receive a percentage or a fixed amount upon your passing. Consider designating the NFB as a partial beneficiary of your life insurance, retirement, or in a trust or will. For more information, call Patty Chang at extension 2422 or email pchang, P-C-H-A-N-G, at nfb.org. Okay, so now we have our uh, our understanding, I hope, and if you know, you need to rewind a little bit and... <laughs> <laughs> re-listen to parts of it, you can. But I think I think Chris and Ronza do a very nice job. I understand breaking it, it down. I I do as well. Yeah. Actually, it's it's a very it's a very good interview, and I love the background noise. I always love when we're on location, and you can actually <laughs> tell that somebody really is on location. Yeah. That just makes me smile. Chris Danielson, <laughs> our roving reporter. Absolutely. Yeah. But now we have something to share about this case, right? Because that little interview, I think it was recorded. Maybe was it February when the. Yes, or January, somewhere in in that area. It wasn't. It it wasn't. It was a couple months ago, at least, that uh, the the actual trial or the actual um, case was heard. It wasn't really a trial, but the actual sure. case was heard in the sure. court of appeals. Yeah, it's relatively recent to our, us recording this podcast. Again, we don't know when people are going to listen to it. Correct. Yeah, but that was helpful uh, the way they describe it. Now I feel like I'm an attorney, but uh, it was the most validating piece. Is it seemed 
ridiculous to the attorneys as well. So that that was helpful to me to understand that me feeling that it was like ridiculous was reasonable. Right. Yeah. That the judges, the judges that were asking the questions. I love that was too. Also ridiculous. Isn't that great? Yeah. 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 And that the government really didn't put up a, a great case, according to Ronza and according yeah. to Chris. And uh, uh, Gilbreth? Put up a great case. Yes, I would have. I wish I was there. I, I would have I loved wish, to have seen that. I wish I had been there as well. I was yeah. hoping to go and then couldn't go at the last moment. So yeah. uh, anyway, but the National Federation of the Blind makes this stuff happen. We do, and we have great news to share. Yeah, this case did go the way that Ronza and Chris thought it might. So Joe won. Joe won the right to be able to take the federal government to court. Oh, and got it. Not only that. This opens up the opportunity for any federal employee, as it stands now, to yeah. be able to go to court. And that is incredibly important because separate from, from this case, the DOJ finally came well, before, out with a report. Before, oh, before go ahead. we pivot to the DOJ, I think that to echo or highlight or amplify what you're saying is this is what we do in the National Federation of the Blind when we're talking about our legal Issues. A lot of people want to come to us and they want us to represent them or use resources to help represent them. But when we can create case law, like in this case, that not only helps Joe and what he's attempting to do, but it helps other blind people, that's when we get the biggest bang for our buck. That's when we reach economies of scale. So we don't have the wherewithal and the resources to represent or provide legal representation for each and every blind person. Right. But when we can find cases like this that, that positively impact or provide opportunities for more blind people to get justice, that's when we win. Blind people and, and people with other disabilities as well. Exactly. Which is, which is a great bonus in this case. A lot of times, obviously, we know blindness. Mm -hmm. So this case was brought on behalf of someone who happens to be blind, and it will help blind people. But 508 and accessibility goes beyond blind people and being able for us to use the web. There, there are barriers for people with other types of disabilities as well. Yeah, so they, they will now have the same right that the federal government is not immune from being sued when the complaints that are being filed are being ignored for years. Mm -hmm. And so I, this is this is a, a truly amazing victory. Now, of course, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's possible that because this case was appealed, there was a court that first said, no, you can't have a private action. Now, this is an appeals court. So I don't know if the government's going to try to take this higher. And so we have to watch Ooh. that space. But um, well, we're good, though, because Gilbreth has already, you know, had a case before the Supreme Court with great she, success. So she has. we are she unafraid. Has. And, and, and I hope the government will just take their marbles and go home yeah, and, it just, makes, and just decide, so like, sense. OK, fine. Especially since they're such a major you know, purveyor of this ill. You were about to allude to the DOJ report, which I think is very telling. Right. So there's been a DOJ report. Now, let's go back a little bit into history. And I, I didn't know this. So 508 came about and the last report that the Department of Justice did regarding 508 compliance mm -hmm. by government agencies, and that means, among other things, website accessibility, mm -hmm. it was 10 Years ago, uh, eleven really, two thousand twelve, wasn't it? Uh, maybe it what? Maybe ten and a half. I don't. I don't know yeah, actually. Yeah. I think you're right though, because it, it said ten, but I you're right. That would be. <laughs> we are in two thousand twenty three. Maybe yeah. they can't do math either. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But you're exactly right. But too long. Too long, yeah. and and the law says 
they are supposed to provide updates every two yeah. years. Yeah. But they haven't. Surprise, surprise. And, and no one has said to them, or if anybody has said to them, hey, look, you need to do this, they haven't listened. And so finally, they come out with this report. And what does this report say? Well, first of all, it's not even complete data the way that it should be. Um, Senator Casey has a very good press release that's going to be in our show notes along with this report. Mm -hmm. But Senator Casey's point is, okay, not only is this report super late, it doesn't even give all the data that we would want. Right. And number two, the data that it gives is horrible. Yeah. More than 50% of websites are inaccessible for employees. So those are like employee facing, so internal type of websites. And around that And again that that's that's powerful because again, the federal government is one of the largest employers of people with disabilities. Right. But when you're talking about the infrastructure that a blind person would need in order to be a competitive employee within that federal government space has either access to only half of the internal resources or half of the agencies don't even allow any access to the resources, that's just untenable. Yeah. So you can't even do your job. You get a job. You're excited about having a job. You know you can do the job. Obviously, the person that hires you or the people that hire you believe you can do the job. And then you get there and you either can't do the job at all or you can only do parts of it. Yeah. I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. And the interesting dynamic about this is there are actually instances where the individuals that are employed who can't actually do the job, you know, they're trying to say, well, just 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 get paid. And I love the fact that people yeah. have enough integrity to recognize that, no, I don't want to just sit in some place and get paid for doing right. nothing. I really want to be able to do the job that I'm being paid for. So that in itself, I think, is very powerful. Absolutely. And not only is this a problem for employees, which, of course, is what this case is all about, but the other problem is that public-facing websites are just as abysmal. Yeah. Kiosks and, and all sorts of things for veterans, for yeah. seniors, for many people who just want the same information from the government that they should be entitled to and are entitled to by law mm-hmm. are also being shut out. I love the way that Senator Casey frames it as the virtual front door. Because we know that in the past, (laughs) to get access to a lot of federal services, you had to go to these public buildings, which, again, presented accessibility issues in so many different ways. But the bureaucracy of it all also created extreme delays. Uh, But you were able to get through it if you had enough patience and tenacity. Now, the way to get access to these services are more and more primarily through these virtual portals, right? And that's the new virtual front door to all the public services that are out there. And if they're not accessible, that's less than an inconvenience. And then the physical front doors that used to exist, they're not there anymore. When you try to call someone on the phone, forget (laughs) about it. You try to figure out which building you need to go to, forget about that. If you can't access the virtual front door, you can't get access to the services. So I love, I think in his press release, it said the the virtual front front door is closed. Yes. So let's open that virtual front door. And it doesn't have to be that way. And that that is the thing that is so frustrating to me, mm-hmm. just over and over and over. It truly does not need to be that way. And, and when is the government and educate, I mean, th- there's a whole host, but it, when are people going to open up their eyes and yeah. realize we're here. We're here to stay. Mm-hmm. We're not going anywhere. And now you're possibly going to get sued 
for things that you should have been able to be sued for, quite honestly, in my opinion, years and years and years ago. But I can't imagine there's not going to be a flurry of these types of cases now that they're open because it is so horrible. And why wouldn't people fight for the rights to do their jobs like anybody else. Yeah, and if suing is what it takes, then let's sue. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's going to happen like it usually always does when I talk to individuals that we unfortunately have had to engage in litigation to get them to the place where they're going to make things accessible. I ask them, you know, why did you fight us so hard in the beginning? Because we're going to win because we're not going to give up. And they say, well, we thought it was going to be harder than it was, and we thought it was going to be more expensive. Right. And it ends up being more expensive when you litigate because it's not difficult to make these interfaces, portals, websites, apps. It's not difficult. It just requires that the people who are developing them get the proper training. Training to code websites accessibly is just good coding. It's nothing more than just getting people to code better and correctly. And I think that the DOJ uh, having these reports come out every two years well, I think continue to amplify the need that we have for getting people in those positions who are creating these virtual portals to these virtual front doors to have the skill set to do it in a way that's appropriate and accessible. I, I think that's exactly correct. And and talk about more money that is spent. I'm not opposed to blind people having a reader on the job if if they need that accommodation. Yeah, there's some things a human reader just allows you to be more efficient doing. That's correct. Mm-hmm. But if that human reader time can be cut in half or more mm-hmm. because all of a sudden these websites are accessible, mm-hmm. what a savings for the government in that way. And, and what a boost in productivity mm-hmm. and just in worker satisfaction feelings of satisfaction. I get so excited to this day when I can go from beginning to end with something. Usually right now it's it's medical stuff, unfortunately, because I've been having a lot of medical things that I've needed to take care of. But there's an app that I use that I'm able to check in for my appointments. I'm able to view after visit summaries. I'm able to look at all my medications in one place. I'm able to send messages to my doctor. And I still feel pride when I and and gratitude, I guess. And I shouldn't feel gratitude, but I do because it's it's accessible right now. Now I do worry what's going to happen when they (laughs) update the app and everything else. (laughs) But I, I can't imagine what it would be like for a federal employee who hasn't been able to do a serious, you know, big part of their job independently to all of a sudden be able to do that. Yeah. That would just be an incredible thing. And you talk about blind people being underemployed or unemployed. I think in some ways applying for jobs, it's it's scary as it is, right? But I do think, especially for part-time work and different things that people might really want to do, I think that there is a lot of fear. Will it be accessible? Will it not be accessible? Am I going to have to fight to be able to do this job? And if we can start taking those perceived barriers away, I think that's only going to be helpful as well. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at it from the other lens that there's so much that the federal government can benefit from with the active engagement and employment of really qualified people with disabilities. Because it's not even about us being able to do jobs and work alongside our sighted peers, et cetera. It's about the unique lived experience that we bring to the table. So there's a lot of things that we just innately have to do as blind people. 
that can enhance not only the work that we do, but the work that everyone does. I have so many examples of when I used to do job placement of how when we went in and made accommodations uh, and alterations to the job to make it possible for blind people to do the job, it increased the productivity for everybody. So I think that if they create opportunities for us to be part of that whole equation, then we will end up in that situation where all boats rise. Yeah. So I don't know, Anil. I, I think uh, I think we've kind of covered this one. I, I think we just have to watch this space as far as what Joe Orozco will do now. You know, I don't want to speak for him, and but he definitely does now have the right to file action. Um, and yeah. you know, you would you would assume that that might be something that he does, or maybe his agency will really truly begin to talk to him and try to make a settlement or try to make changes. And just remember that Melissa Cabona and I are not legal practitioners, so this is no. not to be considered legal advice. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> well, I think this is a major win. I'm looking forward to the opportunities that is that are going to be created as a result of this. So let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And we'd love to hear from you if you're a federal employee and have had difficulties at your job or if you were a federal employee and maybe left because you had difficulties or if you're a person who's trying to get benefits or services uh, and you know maybe you can tell us the website you wish most that was accessible that isn't right now mm-hmm. um, we you know we always love to hear from you uh, on the nation's blind podcast yeah. and tell us some positive stuff too I oh mean, if you definitely. want to shout out a federal government or entity that's doing it right yes. let us know so we can shame all the others that is and that's what it's about so that's a really good point yes yeah. let's let's get all the positive ones so that we can say oh look yeah. this agency's doing it great over here or this website's got it right yeah that's a really good point I like that idea so you can definitely find us on Facebook by searching for National Federation of the Blind and you can just comment or post on our page and put, you know, just comment that you're talking about the Nation's Blind podcast and Mm -hmm. and that will get to us for sure. Yeah. Or you can find us on Twitter or at NFB underscore voice. Yeah. Uh, Throw in the hashtag, hashtag virtual front door. Ooh, ooh! I like that. You can do that on Facebook. Too. I didn't clear that with our comms team, so don't tell them. Oh, they, yeah, no. as long as they don't know. But yeah, they're they're not listening. <laughs> you but, can also call us. We love to hear your stories. Four one zero six five nine nine three one four extension two four four four. And of course, we can be reached by email at podcast at nfb.org. Well, I hope this was edifying, educational, empowering for you, whether you're a federal government employee or not. But remember, until the next podcast, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. We'd love your feedback. Email podcast at nfb.org or call 410-659-9314, extension 2444.